Welcome to Listen Up America, a show about the truth, opinions, and thinking. A constitutional and conservative podcast in a world of woke cancel culture. We are the resistance. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Eric. And this week on Listen Up America, we're going to start off by talking about immigration and the issues that have been going on at the border and within the country since Chairman Joe took over. There's been a lot in the news this week, and I'm going to try my best to cover as much as possible and probably give you guys some information you probably didn't hear about concerning the issues. So the media sat down and asked questions of the Biden administration and asked if there was a crisis at the border. And their reply was, no, there's no crisis at the border, for goodness sakes. It's just a challenge. Okay, see, when we're just playing word games, that's all they're doing now. And that's just tactic 101 for Democrat, liberal, socialist, Marxist, and communist politicians. You never call it what it actually is unless it's the other guy. Then you call it what it is. But when it is on you and you're the one responsible and in charge of this nightmare, it's not a crisis. It's a challenge. Well, you know, that's a cute word, but think about it. Challenge. It's an obstacle in front of you that's likely beating you. And you have to rise to the challenge to beat it. So actually, in the way of the words, it's cute because it's not as horrible as crisis. Crisis is is inflammatory. It's a word that correctly addresses the situation at the border. There is a crisis. There has been a crisis for 40 plus years. We've talked about it in the past, in in older episodes. Cesar Chavez, totally against illegal immigration, literally sent his farm workers to the border to beat up incoming Mexicans and Central Americans and so forth so that they wouldn't come in. It was like I said, a Mexican mafia thing. They didn't want their wages depressed. They were already fighting for a wage. And to have more people flood in only depresses the wage because it increases the workforce. If you have more to choose from, you don't have to pay a lot of money. It's the liberal way of creating a slave labor pool. The Chamber of Commerce is as guilty of this as the left. Let's find the cheapest labor, send it to China, and just let's get it over here so that we can make the most profit. Like I said, I'm not against profit. There's a system that can and should work, but you got both ends of the spectrum here, and they're both abusing it. And I'm pretty sure most of middle America is like, hey, can we just do it here, do it fairly, let's keep the employment pool where it is. We don't need more. We don't need educated. We don't need these visas going overseas because my kid I just paid $300,000 to go to university to would like a job here too. And would like a job that doesn't pay $25,000 a year because guess what? They could have just skipped college and gone straight to working fill in the blank. And by the end of college, could have been making maybe 20 bucks an hour, depending. So we got to get our head straight on this. None of this is good for this country. It's a challenge. Well, here's what the challenge and the come on in policy. Now, remember, they said, come on in. They went, well, you know, you got to give us a little time. But Central America and Mexico are coming. They're showing up at the border. You can go online and find the photos. 
They're showing up at the border with shirts that say Biden with his political logo. Let me in. They're just coming. Homeland Security. Now, this is his Homeland Security, not Trump's. This is Chairman Joe's people saying there will be at least 115,000 unaccompanied children crossing the border this year. Well, see, that's the, that's the trick. They sneak in, they get arrested, they get processed, and they get reunited with their families, and the families get to come over, and it's all like, just let them all, everybody's an American now. But see, you have to understand, these 100,000 plus, they said just last in the last four weeks that the number's astronomical. It's thousands of kids have come across the border. And they've reopened something in Carrizo. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Carrizo Springs, Texas. That's where Obama and Biden built the quote unquote cages for the kids back during their time in office. But the media pulled out those pictures like four years ago. Like, look, Trump's putting them in cages and doing all this stuff. And those photos were from like six years before. So Trump didn't build them. Trump didn't knowingly put them in there, but the facility Trump closed. He says, we're not doing this because he got control. They had a plan, ICE, Homeland. Everybody got together and says, this is how we're going to do it. It's going to process. And they're going to go back home to their family where they belong. And from whatever country, if we can't find their family, this is where the country you won't do. It becomes Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras. It becomes their problem. They're their citizens. We're returning them back to from where you came. But it's a challenge. It's not a crisis. It's such a challenge that Biden has opened them up again. Cages are open. But as Saki, the White House press secretary, says, it's totally different. They're the same buildings. They have the bars on the windows and the containers and the whole thing in cages. They're, they're the same thing. We painted butterflies on the walls. Oh, so if you put a butterfly on a wall, it's not jail. It's just a comfort lounge area where we hold you indefinitely until we decide what to do with you. So why don't we just pay butterflies all over prisons? I mean, this is, this argument isn't an argument. You've reopened the cages that Trump closed, that Chairman Joe and Barack Hussein Obama built and open for the sole purpose of housing these children. Trump addressed the issue. Is it a perfect solution? No, but it got the kids from coming slowed down dramatically. The message was sent. Don't come the wrong way. Chairman Joe, come on in. Doors are wide open and they're coming. So you got a Democrat congressman. Okay, I'm going to say it again. A Democrat congressman, his name is Henry Quaylar down in Texas. And he was approached and asked about the situation at the border. And he told Axios, this isn't like he went, you know, Fox News or Axios. It's not, it's not conservative. He says, and I quote, you just can't say, yeah, yeah, let everybody in. Because then we're affected down there at the border, Quaylar told the news outlet. Quaylor reportedly expressed concerns that smugglers and bad actors, same term Trump used and was crucified, would use the shift in immigration policy to expand their dangerous and illegal operations. 
Quote, the bad guys know how to market this, end quote, Quaylor said. According to Access, Quaylor also, quote, complained about a contradiction between releasing some unauthorized immigrants into border communities while keeping legal cross-border travel closed. Remember, you can't go back and forth. It's closed. But we're telling them, come illegally, and it's totally cool. We'll process you. You have to understand the hypocrisy and the idiocy of what the left thinks. Don't do it legally. Do it illegally. They're promoting criminal activity while punishing law-abiding people from doing their normal routine. Could be either side of the border, coming across, do shopping, you know, get your pharmaceuticals on that side, get your clothes on, whatever. They do that. The Hispanic Mexican, you know, they come across, and you got Hispanic Americans, and whatever, they go across. We can't do that. The only way you can do that is you can go through the holes in the fence, and we'll get to that in a second. You can cross the Rio Grande, that's okay. If the Mexican government catches you on the other side and their border, you're going to jail. You've seen and heard this. You know, several years ago, a Marine made a wrong turn going through Tijuana on the border in San Ysidro and made a wrong turn and ended up in Mexico. And he went to jail for like three, four months. And we had congressmen fighting to get him out and the whole thing. It was a nightmare. That's how they treat Americans. And all we're trying to do is stop the flow, get control on it, keep it at a humanitarian and safe level because doing what they're doing is getting them killed. Believe it or not, we don't want that. I don't want people dying anywhere, let alone crossing a border, like the way they are. It's crazy. And just if you're across the border and you by chance get wind of this, it ain't all that great up here. It used to be, but it ain't all that great anymore. You're not missing all that much. So just in the month of February, 108 migrant asylum seekers from the southern border were eventually tested and released with positives of COVID. So now they're starting to test some of them, and they've found out that they released 108 of them openly with a little ticket to report to court because they're never going to show up. And it's documented. You can look it up. When Once an, an asylum-seeking immigrant, an illegal, is given a citation that you need to show up to court for your case, da-da-da-da, they do not go. They just fade away and blend into the mass. They just, they're invisible. They choose to be that way because it's, in their eyes, the best way to go. It's just more criminal activity on top of more criminal activity. Now, if you don't go and get your summons for jury duty, you have a warrant placed on you. So when you are pulled over for speeding or have an interaction with the law and they run you and it says, mystery duty, got a warrant. You're arrested and taken to jail. Hypocrisy. Following the law, not following the law. We're encouraging to break the law, depending on your skin color. The laws don't say race and genders and religious. It doesn't say anything about exceptions and things like that. It just says this, because all men are created equal. It says right there in the Constitution. But the left encourages criminal activity to increase their power. It's all it's about. So now we'll get to the really horrible thing of the week. So you probably all heard down on the Mexican border in California, just outside of a border community called El Centro, California. It's just south of the Salton Sea. 
there was a Ford Expedition with 25 illegal immigrants stuffed inside that came through a hole in the border fence. Breathe for a second for all you people going, ha ha, I told you the wall doesn't work. It wasn't the new section of wall that Trump had been building that this administration, Chairman Joe, said, stop. We're not going to build it. We're still going to pay the contracts because we have to. But we're not going to get anything for it. The old section of fence that's been there for, I don't even think they actually said, but I think off my own memory, it's about 15, 20 years. Could be longer. These large posts were cut just wide enough for vehicles to drive through. There's pictures of it. You can see where they drove through. Because another car drove through that same day, that same morning. But the one you're all hearing about is the one that crashed. Basically, it was overloaded. They tore out all the seats except for the two front bucket seats of a Ford Expedition. Those were your mules. Those are the, the, the illegals, the, the, the illegal activity, the people that the Quailer said earlier, that they know how to work the system and break the law. So illegal activity is going to exploit all of this nonsense. And they did. So they stuffed 25. They just laid them down, lay on top of one another, and just get in there like sardines, literally like sardines in a can in an expedition. Driving down the street. Now, the gross vehicle weight is 2,000 pounds. Um, yeah, 2,000 pounds. So it's a ton of beyond-the-weight vehicle that it can handle. 25 people. If they all just weighed 100 pounds, and they didn't, that's 2,500 pounds. So we'll, we'll just safely say it was between three and 35, maybe 4,000 pounds of weight in this vehicle, which will dramatically limit its ability to maneuver, speed up, and slow down with brakes. The semi-truck was heading north on a highway, and it's just a two-lane highway. And going east-west, rate of speed hasn't been determined yet. It'll take a few more days, I'm sure. But they said whether it was speeding or whatnot, it did not stop at the stop sign. It may have been slowing, but they're not sure yet. So if it was slowing, that weight had dramatically altered the ability of that vehicle to stop at the stop sign and ended up in an intersection at the perfect time for a semi to hit between the driver door and the passenger door, cave it in, and kill 15 people so far. I'm sure there's others that are probably in critical condition. It was a hell of a hit. But see, here's something else you didn't hear that happened within a half hour that same morning in the same area. A Chevy Suburban carrying 19 illegal immigrants was found in the same community. The Suburban ended up in a ditch and caught on fire. So the authorities respond to this vehicle. How do I, how do I know it was 19 people, Eric? How do you know if, if the car's on fire with the bodies inside? No, they actually were able to escape. They were found in the bushes right next to it. So they basically gathered, I don't even know if the word arrest is correct. It should be, but they were detained 19, just in two vehicles within 30 minutes of each other in the same hole in the fence. We know the border's like a thousand miles long. And that's just one incident that you're only hearing half of took place the same morning, 25 and 19. Just 44 right there. This goes on every day, every hour along the border. There are not 11 million illegal immigrants in this country. And now the government's contradicting itself. You've got other departments in the system saying, well, we believe the number could be between 22 and 30. Remember, I told you 
a week or two ago. Hey, this number is going to be well over 30. If you have eyes and ears and you look around in communities, you're going to go, this wasn't like this 10 years ago. And it's like that now. They're just everywhere. Working the lowliest, crappiest job, standing in front of the Home Depots looking for day labor work. I get it just to feed their family. But we have Americans in this country now just trying to feed their family in every state, just trying to feed their family. And now they have to compete with thousands of illegal immigrants across the border every day. And it's easily a thousand or more every day on top of the ones that are already here and on top of the ones that have been here and they're having babies that are having babies. And they're all voting more or less. It looks like Democrat because Santa Claus doesn't lose elections. And the left will give away everything. The black community isn't getting a damn thing anymore. And they're, they're mad, but they're mad at the wrong people. You've got to see the left for what it is. It just creates victims. Everything along the process is a victim. Now women are actually speaking up against the transgender issues. So when is the black community going to speak out about all this illegal immigration? Because it hurts them. I mean, it's just, it's just the numbers. I mean, all Hispanic Americans, black Americans, white Americans, we have poor people in all the races. But as we know, and it says statistically, black communities are impacted the most by this. And that sucks. We can fix this. We can do better. They want better. I keep hearing it. Well, let us help. Don't vote for these people anymore. They're filling the schools, making it impossible for your children to get the education that they deserve. LA Unified School District doesn't even want to go back. You know, they're just calling racism, and we'll get to that in the next segment. But it only hurts Americans of all color, of all gender, of all races, of all. It's just hurting us all. And in, it's killing them. Stop coming this way. They're paying mules whatever they got in any means, giving them their children, giving them money, giving them whatever. And they got a whole nother mess of problems just to get over. And they got, who I don't even know the odds, but it isn't If you've got vehicles catching on fire and getting smashed, it's just going to continue to happen. It's not a challenge. This is a crisis for both sides of the border because people south are dying and people in the north, we're just losing jobs. Our economy is teetering and we're trying to feed what we can and we're allowing all this to happen with a smile. But now Democrat politicians are speaking out against it. This has to stop. We have to wake up. We have to control the flow. Build the wall. Be the deterrent. Let the border patrol do what it's supposed to do. Let's process the asylum claims. If they're legitimate, welcome in. If they're not, if they're just, I just don't like it there. The police aren't dealing with the gangs. That's not a reason. Our police aren't allowed to do much around here these days. But where am I going to go? Where are any of us going to go? Like I said, it seemed, I guess we go to Central America. That's where a lot of Americans are retiring to is they're taking over the, the Central America. I've been there. It's really nice. I haven't had any problems with countries I've been to. And I don't just hang out the tourist areas. And by the way, when you go to the tourist areas, criminals tend to flock there because it's easy prey. But no issues because I'm aware. I know what's going on. But this has to stop. 
We have to wake up. Chairman Joe has to just bite the bullet, continue Trump's, and you can modify it, but you have to stop the flow. You cannot encourage all these people to come over and then say, well, I care about COVID and Trump's the devil because he created it. That's what they're saying. But I'm going to let all these people unchecked, tested or not, release them and just let's keep the COVID going. But you all need to wear 15 masks and can't go to work and can't go to school. There you go. Illegal immigration. Thanks. So I want to talk about racism, this segment, and this will be an ongoing topic because it's, it's a very big issue and has been for a long time. And in my opinion, if the left has its way, it's going to be an issue for as long as they can make it an issue. So the definition of racism is a belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority over a particular race. That's the definition. So we got people out there, namely, we'll say, you know, this, this left political group led by Black Lives Matter that is collecting millions of dollars a year from corporations, from athletes, politicians, and they're, they're collecting this money. They're not doing anything with it, and I will give you a case of that in a minute. But they're collecting all this money to become a political power. Okay, well, you know, like a super PAC or something. That's fine. But you have to understand, no matter which side of the coin you're on, okay, when you say black lives matter, based on the definition I just gave, that could be viewed as racist. That one group matters more than another because one is found to be superior over another. So everybody got upset when people were like, no, all lives matter. How can you argue this? Now I know they're saying, well, the point is that the black community is being, you know, justice is being misapplied to them in extraordinary numbers versus the other colors. And that's not true. It's just video cameras and out of context phone videos and things like that are put into play. A lot more often. I mean, it's like standard operating procedure. If a police officer or police officers come across a group of black youths or black people or whatever, and the phones come out, start filming. I mean, that's like, it's like learning ABCs is if you see a cop comes talk to you, bring your phone out. I don't do that. I don't have anything to worry about the police because I'm not doing anything wrong. If they've got a question, I can answer the questions and we'll go from there. If you're doing something wrong, you know, you're doing something wrong and you can't sit there and go and justify it. Well, we're doing this because, no, 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 it's a law. You can't do that, whatever that is. But we sit here and I got Black Lives Matter all last summer protesting. Now, they weren't walking down the street with signs like a certain hero of most of us, Martin Luther King. And yeah, he's a hero of mine. I quite admire the man. He didn't change the mindset of black people. He brought them together as one voice. What he did was he showed white people and said, look, this is what I mean. And then he found out a lot of white people agree with him. That there is this really, it's a, what do we say? The silent Majority, but in this case, it's the 
obnoxious minority of people that are racist in the South and in the North. They're, they're racist everywhere. You know, the whole thing is, is just the South. I mean, you can, you guys should go to Boston and go to a baseball game and listen to the fans and what they say about the black players out there. And the black players, there's news. They all sit there going, I cannot. Carl Crawford, outstanding ball player back in the 2000 range, the two to two tens. He hated going to Boston, being called racist names and, and, and people around, other white people, sitting in the stands, don't say a thing. So it's not just a Southern white thing. And I agree, there is racist behavior out there. It's on both sides. But Martin Luther King was able to get the white community, a majority, to join him in sending the message that we are all created equal. To not judge one another on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character. Because y'all, whether you got a really good tan or you are see-through, you peel that back, the muscle's the same. The blood is the same. The organs underneath that, the heart, the lungs, the brain, it's all the same. We are one race. We are the human race. And for those that think that black people aren't fill in the blank, you're a racist and you're a scumbag. And if you do it in front of me and if you do it in front of other people, people, you should stand up and call it out. Just like if you're black and Black Lives Matter is talking about white supremacy, which barely exists in any form. Are there little Aryan nation things around there? Yeah, it's usually based on prisons and things like that, but it's out there. But it's not 10% or 20% or 80% of white people. It's like 0.0001 or part of these insane groups. And this is a really touchy subject. So I'm trying to be as clear about it on both sides, that we are human beings. We are the human race. Everybody's lives matter. Michael Brown, as you all remember, he was the uh, big guy in Ferguson, Missouri, a few years back. He was walking down the middle of the street. Police officer was coming down the street and just gave him the little whoop whoop on the siren and kind of said, hey, off the side of the road, buddy. Because you can't walk down the middle of the street, no matter if you're six foot five, 300 and some pounds and black, or whether you're white or whether you're, you, it doesn't matter. You can't walk down the street. Street is for vehicles. Vehicles go up and down those streets. If you walk down the street, you could be hit and therefore injured and killed. Being you walking down a street and being hit by a car driven by someone that's not black, but you could be white or brown, doesn't make you a racist for hitting that guy. That guy is not walking where he's supposed to be. He's put himself in jeopardy. So the police officer for the man's safety is like, you need to get off the road, sir. And you can watch the video cam footage and you can read all about it. The media freaked out the day it happened because they had no information and it was an easy way to start a fire. But if you just took a breath and went, whoa, what actually happened? The, the big man dove into the car window with the officer in it and wrestled him for the gun. And the officer got his gun and shot the man and he killed him. Anybody be different if that was a black officer with a white crackhead Aryan nation son of a gun out there walking down the street and he dove in the window and he wrestled a gun, the black cop shot him? Would the same rules apply? Because this is what it has to happen. It has to apply. Human race, legal, not legal. Michael Brown was wrong. 
you know, I don't recall if he was on drugs or he was just having a bad day or what, but he attacked a police officer and we all, whether you're a cop or not, have the right to defend yourself against somebody that attacks you. He felt threatened. I'm not to judge whether, how he felt. He felt his life. I mean, he's a little white cop. He wasn't like six foot five himself. He's just a little guy in a car with a seatbelt on, completely compromised and, and limited what he could do. And he's getting beat on. And he felt if his gun was taken from him, he was going to die. Unfortunately, Michael Brown died. But we'll go to the BLM part of this. Michael's father is asking a very important question on his community's behalf. I guess they're still out protesting. They're still holding up their signs and they're doing it apparently the right way because we're not hearing about Ferguson still burning, even though most of the city did burn. And by the way, remember, there were black witnesses that said, yeah, the guy just dove through the window, started punching and beating on a cop. This wasn't a white community that sat there and went, and you know, protect your own. Good people that happened to be black that witnessed it, spoke out and said, dude, was wrong. Sucks that he died, but you don't see me diving through a window of a cop car looking for a fight. He was, and he paid the price. But his father is asking BLM, hey, we need our money. You raising all these millions, Ferguson, and on behalf of my son, we want 20 million. And BLM's not acknowledging or talking to them because it's not about that. Even though I firmly believe Michael Brown's parents are wrong and the community that's standing up and saying police are killing black people year to year, FBI statistics show that more white unarmed people are killed every year by the police than black people. More unarmed white people are killed every year. Yeah. Some dumb white rednecks do stupid crap too. And they get killed for it, but it's not as dramatic. It doesn't check the box that people need filled for justice, for, for their own justification that fits the narrative they want to believe. Black Lives Matter is a socialist political platform. That's all it is. And in its very meaning and the things that they say and the things that they post, the things they demand is racist. They're not asking the country to do something. They want white people. They're attacking white people which is no different from in the 40s and the 50s when white people were attacking black people. It's the same. If it's racist then, it's racist now. It doesn't matter. White people do not have a monopoly on racism. Anybody and everyone can be racist. And BLM is no different. So now they're just turning their back on, quote, unquote, their own. They forgot about Ferguson. They moved on to the next one. You know, we're on the George Floyd one now. And in a nutshell, I'll tell you, the police officer, that was in charge and directed the other deputies and let's pin the guy down. Now there's a lot of video and I bet a lot of you haven't seen all the video. You see him with the knee on the back of his head, pinning him down and he's, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Okay. But there was a lot of activity that took place beforehand and that is just conveniently left out, but that's going to come out in the court case and they have completely overcharged these officers to the point. This is what's going to happen. And I kind of think it's the plan. They're going to be found not guilty. Now, the officer that had his knee on him, it wasn't murder. It was manslaughter. He didn't intend to kill the man. He intended to detain the man. Did he stay on him too long? I don't know. I'm not a cop. I wasn't in the situation. 
It looked like with all the other officers, they could have got him calm. But you have to realize before that even happened, he's freaking out in the police car and smashing his head on the windows and things like that and kicking and kicking. So they had to pull him out of the car and put him on the ground. I don't know if they called for more vehicles or something like that, or they needed a medical to sedate. I don't know. But this wasn't murder. Nobody woke up and said, I'm going to kill that guy, and this is how we're going to do it. So it's not premeditated. And that's what they're charging him with. He will be found innocent. And you all better be paying attention because when that case is started and they go to closing arguments, I seriously and honestly suggest if you're not stocked up, you better stock up because it's going to happen again. I was in California during the Rodney King situation, him getting the crap beat out of him in a dirt turnout in LA. It happened on March 3rd and we watched that and we're disgusted by it. It was like the LAPD back in the 1990, forgive me, I think it was 92 that this happened. And, and you could see the disregard for life. It was horrific. But LAPD went through a lot of changes immediately. Chiefs were fired, black chief. You know, other people were brought in and it got a little better. Then they fired that guy because he was a clown too. They brought in the gentleman from New York who like fixed New York under Giuliani and he helped. And he put LAPD in a much more respectable position that had to carry the baggage of the past. And people just want to dwell on the past. And I get it. You should never forget. And we talk about that for 9-11 and things. You should never forget. But you can forgive. You can always keep one eye open, but you can always extend a hand. We don't have to be so hostile to each other. Because a mass majority of us, no matter our, our race, we have friends that are black and Asian and brown and white. and It's all good. And we make fun of each other and all that stuff and have a good time. And we go to games together and go to dinner together. This does happen. Regular. And for people that, that don't have that, that don't interact with other races. I'm sorry to hear that. That's really sad. We're a community. I hate in LA that there's little China, little Italy, little Mexico. And there's all these little, why? To preserve their heritage. Okay. But why do you have to live in the areas? You, I, I get economic. A lot of people are like, well, I have no other choice. Well, especially in California. I get it. Hell, look how many people have left the suburbs of LA and just moved out to you know, they're up in Santa Clarita and Castaic and they're in the high desert and they're out in Palm Street. They've gotten out of it because A, crime was just getting horrible. Schools were going in the toilet. So we were able to move. I get that you're not. But education in this country is free to everyone. And what you do with it is really important. Here's a story that was published on March 4th of 2021 by Audrey Conklin and it is a Fox News. The title reads, Baltimore High School Student Fails All But Three Classes Over Four Years, Ranks Near Top Half of the Class. I'm going to read the article. It's not too long, but you need to understand this, and then I want to talk about our responsibility as parents and students of all races to ourselves and our community. A Baltimore high school student failed all but three classes over four years and almost graduated near the top half of his class with a .13 GPA. Tiffany France is the mother of the failing student, thought her son would be receiving his diploma 
from Augusta Fells Savage Institute of Visual Arts in June. So it wasn't even real high school. I have not looked into what this Augusta Fells is, if it's a charter or whatever. I don't know. But it's not a high school. And I don't know if it would have been a high school public, it would have made any difference. Because you'll find out why in a second. However, she was surprised to discover that he is being sent back to the ninth grade to start all over. He's stressed, and I am too. I told him I'm probably going to start crying, France told Fox 45 in Baltimore. France expressed frustration with the school, asking why her son would have to complete three more years of high school after the school failed him. She is absolutely right, and she's absolutely wrong. The school did fail, but she did not hold them accountable. His first year, he got report cards, and there were nothing but Fs on it. Every quarter, every semester, just not, 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 not getting it done. Where were you, mom? Why aren't you making sure he's spending the time? He's learning. He's getting the help. He's going, getting tutoring, that he's actually doing the homework because this is what we found out. Her son failed 22 classes and was late or absent 272 days of his first three years of high school. Now, he never went. She never held him count. Where was he? Why wasn't he at school? No wonder he failed. He didn't, he wasn't there. Mom, that's on you. You have to make sure your kid goes. We all have to make sure our children go to school. And then when they come home, we need to talk to them. What did you do today? What's expected of you? And now it's all online in most of the schools. Uh, we have a thing called Canvas in ours. And you can see the classes. You can see what the homework's do. You can see the due date, see if he submitted it. And if he hasn't, you get up somebody's keister and you make sure they do it. Video games, iPads, iPhones, that stuff's gone. We have to hold our children accountable. If we don't make sure and demand of our children their best effort, you think they're going to listen to strangers? I mean, these teachers were complete strangers of this young man. He never went, and she's all upset. Only one teacher requested a parent-teacher conference, but France said that didn't happen. So even if it did, we'll just say it did. One teacher asked for a parent-teacher conference. That's not right. My wife's a school teacher. She drops emails. I mean, she'll tell me, I wrote 44 emails today to parents about da-da-da-da-da-da. Their kids aren't coming. They're not doing. They're not whatever. She'll get five responses. But she'll do it again. And she'll do it again. And quite a few teachers do this. Quite a few teachers don't. Remember, they got a humanities degree. He was still ranked 62nd in his class out of 120 students. You got that? So he's number 62 from 120. There's 58 other kids that did worse. She says the school failed at their job. They failed, they failed. That's the problem here. They failed, they failed. He didn't deserve that. Well, I think it goes to, if we don't put the effort into our own children to make sure that they are where they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing and learning, it's clear there are teachers out there that say, if they don't care, why should I care? That's your humanities and women's studies and things like that, people, I believe. I believe that. Because I have, my wife's a school teacher. We have friends that are school teachers in multiple districts. And I listen to this. We, they get together, and I want my head just wants to explode. And they know it. So we have like a little rule. We only talk about it for so much. I can only handle so much of their frustration. But they need to let them, they need to talk to each other. Right? There's like this podcast, Listen Up America. We need to listen to each other to let them know that we're not alone. That your frustration is shared by all these other people. School teachers, like my wife and our, and our friends, they stay up. 
they create programs. They try to find ways to adjust and adapt and make things more entertaining or fun or interesting to get somebody's spark. Because all you're trying to get is one more kid to get one more spark and interest in their education. You can't get them all. They're fighting a losing battle. Parents are just, well, I made them and I put clothes on them and I feed them, but the rest is on you. No, it's not mom and dad. You have to make sure your kid goes to school. Your kid is responsible and doing something in class. You have to. The teacher doesn't live with them. Only has them for typically 40 some minutes a day for five days a week. But now with all this online, they get them for like an hour twice a week. That's it. You're responsible for them. You made them. You need to hold yourself responsible for your children so that they can get their education. It's not a losing battle if the parents step up and do their part because then you have grounds to hold teachers accountable. If you're doing your part and your student is going and trying and learning and the teacher is just like, I don't care. Then you've got a leg to stand on. For example, I personally had my oldest son was in a uh, English class and doing quite well in it, getting an A. Had a big, there was a big, I don't want to say it was a test, but it was a big assignment. It was worth a ton of points, like two, 300 points. It was, it was a huge effect of the grade. And he first did it. He got like 295 out of 300. Had an A in the class. And me being me, I like to look at the grades. Sometimes daily, but I, I sure look weekly. And I started noticing his grade was like going down. And I look, I'm like, but he just got a 20 out of 20 on that assignment or five out of five on that assignment. Like, how does it go down? So I started looking backwards in history. Like what changed? Did something get slipped in there? Oh, that assignment changed. We had a teacher, a white liberal woman from San Francisco. She made it all clear about that. Changing his grade on that project, not once, not twice, but three times I caught her doing that so he would only get an 89%. She did not believe boys should get A's. She got fired because I had it. I had a document. I'm like, look on this date, look on this date. It just randomly changes. The thing was graded two months ago, but all of a sudden it, it just changed. So now it's got like 180 points, not 295. This is, that's out there. I totally get it. I go after these people like mad and they hate me for it. And I could care less because I'm not here to be liked by you teachers. I'm not here to be liked by anybody. I'm here to take care of my family, to take care of my neighborhood, my friends and my country. That's it. And I believe I'm on the right side on this on most ways. You may disagree. That's okay. But you'll never say my kids are screwing up the society. You'll never say that I allowed a loser of a teacher with a political agenda that hates men to be punished simply because they were boys. I will not stand up for that, and you shouldn't either. So this young lady with her son, you have every right to be mad at that school, but you have no right to go, it's not my fault. You are as accountable and responsible for your child and their education, if not more so than anybody. You just let the system take care of it? What does the left liberal system do for you? You're a minority. You're black. What has it done for you? What did it do for your parents? What is it doing for your children? It tells you, like Chairman Joe tells you, you you're too dumb to run an internet. 
He said that. He drops N-bombs when he tries to say the word eager. He says that. And you vote for these people. They are holding you down. They're giving you these really poor options of education. We believe in school voucher that you and I can take it and go with it to any school we want and say, my son and daughter is going to go here because you're the best. Now, you can't just walk away from that. You have to be involved. What's going on with you? How was class? Where's your homework? Where's your studies? Let me see it. You have to. You cannot turn a blind eye because we as a, as a community have to do this together. And only that way can you hold other people accountable. Now, I know we drifted off racism into this, but it's all part of it. It's an ism, right? This woman had an issue with men and tried to punish them. Black people like BLM are trying to punish white people because we were born that way. None of us chose it. We don't get to check a box. Boom, there you are. And it goes both ways. No one should have an issue with someone being black because they were born black. They're a human being. We are all human beings. And all I'm saying is we just need to be more responsible for ourselves. And that's that constitutional conservative side of me. I don't trust anyone to do their job. I don't even go to church and allow my kids when they were younger to go off into little groups with the other little kids and some adults I don't know watching them. I don't trust those people. I don't know you people. They came to church with me and sat alongside me and we learned together as family. And we were done. We talked about it in the car and at home about what was discussed and what did you learn and what it meant to you. I don't trust people. And I suggest a lot of you shouldn't when it comes to this. You have to take responsibility and be accountable to your child's well-being, education, health, and so forth, no matter what race you are. You have to. I promise you, black community, brown community, middle-class white people, working as teachers, truckers, salespeople, mechanics, jobs like this that are sending our kids to college aren't doing this because, you know, well, we're white, we have the advantage. These kids are busting their tail. My son is doing homework in high school, nine o'clock at night, doing it on the weekends because they assign something at five o'clock on Friday and, oh gosh, I'm glad I looked because it's due Monday morning. You have to be on top of it. Because in life, once you go out and you get a job and you start a career, these same obstacles are going to come up all the time. What are you going to do to deal with it? You can't blame no one because you get fired. You have responsibility and accept it. You have to prepare yourself. You have to prepare yourself for this. Life doesn't end at school. It's just getting started. But you are really putting yourself behind the eight ball. If you don't commit 100% to your child's education and for your own. You have to. So we will talk, I'm sure, much, much more about this because it is an important topic. Racism, it's there. It's not near as bad as the media is blowing it out to be. 75 million people are not white supremacists. 75 million people are not domestic terrorists. They're just people that are trying to take care of their families. And I, as that person, am just telling you, you're going to have to do what we do. We don't trust them to do their part. And I will tell you in ongoing stories about my battles with teachers and athletic directors and coaches because I seem to find all the clowns. And if I'm finding them, I'm sure in my nice rural white 
it's not even white, but there is, you know, I think it's like 50% white and it's everything else. It's a very diverse and balanced school district, but I'm not in the ghetto. I know that, but we can have a say. We do have a say in our community and pointing fingers and just blaming cops, blaming teachers. That's not the way to do it. Look in the mirror and start there. And then when you can answer all those questions that you did everything and you were doing your best and you made sure your children were here, there and everywhere and learning, then you can start pointing outward because you're right. The community is failing you, but you're failing your children now. And that has to stop. You've got to learn a new way. You cannot do it the way your parents did it. And their parents, you can't, you're going to have to learn the new way because Martin Luther King was right. Judge people on their character, despite what the left says, despite what BLM says, despite what I told you last week, Cartoon Network says, being a good person, getting an education, being a positive influence in your community now and in the future, that's what matters. I promise you, that's what matters. So to wrap up the podcast, we're going to have some other news uh, that I want to go over with you guys real quick, just to give you some things to think about. So the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee's new advisor, his name, I'm going to try my best to say it properly, and I apologize if I butcher it, Dijuan Tatro. It's D-Y-J-U-A-N. So Dijuan or Dijuan Tatro is this new senior advisor for strategic outreach He's not a big fan of Biden and Harris, and he's been, he has roasted them in old tweets from just a couple of years ago, saying things like, I would like people like you to sit down and think about the harm Joe Biden and men like him have caused, orchestrated and perpetrated in communities of color, he tweeted in May of 2020. So that wasn't even a year ago. Joe Biden has hurt my community. I don't want Trump or Joe Biden to win. <laughs> he's deleting all these things. He says here, one would think he would admit to being wrong and get out of the mud. Instead, he's rolling in it. No to Joe, he wrote in September 2019. He's also an architect of mass incarceration. What he helped build has ruined the lives of millions of Americans. Please don't overlook this aspect of his character. He tweeted that in April 2019. In 2019, also in July, he blasted top cop Kamala Harris. I'm really tired of black men saying Kamala Harris was only doing her job as a prosecutor while she waged war on black and brown bodies because that's the same line police use when they murder unarmed black men. This is really a bleep dichotomy. He's right and he's wrong, but the thing is he deleted everything so he could get the job. Now this is what the guy's, his history. A Times Union article from 2011 states that when he was 25 years old, he was the trigger man for the notorious original gangsta killer street gang, has been sent to federal prison for more than six years, the report said. Already serving time for shooting two rival gang members in 2006. Black on black crime. That's where we're at with this guy. Now, he was in a PBS documentary in 2019 because he earned a college degree in prison and it was called College Behind Bars. So props to you. You got educated. You took the time that you wasted by shooting and killing people and going to prison and you did something positive. You came out jaded, angry. You were focusing your anger in a direction. You know, you, but you're mad at Joe because he's white, but you should be mad at Joe because of his policies. And I think part of you is mad at him because of that. 
You know, Madam Kamala. Kamala out here in California, we all know it. She just went after black and brown people. That's all she did. Nothing much else when it came to white people or whatever. They were paying her bill. They were funding her campaign. She has these aspirations back then, as you can see, they've lived out to be today. She's the one doing all the foreign relations discussions. She's calling all the world leaders on behalf of the country. Not Joe. He's taking naps. She's doing it. That is unprecedented. But he is very upset, and he's now got a major role in this. I'm glad that he's in there, but you know what? It sounds like you're blaming people for caving, and now you just caved. So I don't know what kind of credibility you think you're going to have by doing for what you're complaining other people did. Biden orders an attack on Syria. You all heard about that. He, Saki, Harris, they all tweeted when Trump did anything. You know, like when he took out the Iranian guy that was killing Americans in Iraq and also in a country that was basically the, the leader of terrorism on the planet. Took him out. Oh, they couldn't tweet to talk about how barbaric it was of him to do such a thing and to destabilize the region and you should have gone to Congress. This guy didn't go to Congress. This guy didn't do nothing. I don't even, he probably didn't even call the shot. They did say there was a second strike plan and he, Joe said, no, don't do it. It's another one of those half-assed things. Bill Clinton did it half-assed. Americans died. George Bush did it half-assed. Americans died. Joe Biden and Obama do it half-assed. Americans die. Trump went in and goes, boom, you're dead. Saved American lives. You didn't like it. He made the call. He stands by it. And the people that judged him for it are now doing the same thing that they were so mad about Trump doing. So thank you, hypocrites of the Biden administration. I thought this was hilarious. So the White House, Biden's White House is charging the White House correspondence pool. So every reporter that goes to the White House, $170 a day because they have to take a COVID test every day before they can enter and pass it. They have to. So they're now billing all the reporters 170 bucks. And they're all pissed. We are going to pay. Yeah, you got to pay. <laughs> it is just complete insanity. Just the, just the absurdity of this. We're going to charge reporters 170 bucks. And speaking of that, you all do realize that it's now, I believe, at the time of this podcast, it's day 45. Chairman Joe has not held a press conference. He has not sat down and pointed to a reporter and say, ask your question, ask your question. And he has not done that. And he's gone longer than any president since the 1900s to do it. Obama and Trump both did theirs, started them in Februarys. Like the beginning and the middle of Februarys is when they did them. He hasn't done a word. And there's still no word. Now, State of the Union is coming. Historically, it's coming. It should be any time now. There's nothing on the books for that. And I'm telling you, if and when that does happen, oh my Lord, is that going to be some great TV? But Chairman Joe cannot do this stuff. He can't talk to foreign leaders. He can't answer questions. He can't do anything. It's a puppet regime. And if you don't see it, you're not looking. In that, uh, 1.9 COVID, you know, it's all for COVID, all for the people. 140 million of that was to build an underground subway in Silicon Valley for, you know, the tech companies, Google and Amazon, all those guys up there. You know, the ones that run the country. Republicans said they want to take that money and they want to reappropriate it to the kids' mental health in this country that are having issues because suicides and self-harm are through the roof. 
these last 12 months. 100%. They're saying it's between 90 and 100% up. And he wants to say, let's use that money to help them. Democrats, led by Nancy Pelosi, to the letter D, said no. Don't tell me this is a COVID bill because it has not a damn thing to do with a COVID bill. It's just pork. It's just spending to take care of their friends and, and just gain votes. They don't care about the children of this country and their health. They don't. They could say it in a week, but they don't because they had a chance to take $140 million away from a stupid underground subway that if you're in California you do, and you ride a subway underground, you're an idiot. Earthquakes. Ever hear of them? Yeah, I'll pass. I'm not being buried alive. We could use $140 million to help kids seriously struggling with this lockdown crap that they created. And last, I have to bring this up because this was beautiful. It is COVID-related. If you are going to travel anywhere in the world to China, you are required to take the anal swab. Remember I talked about that? My favorite term, anal swab. You are required, before you can enter their country, you will have to have some swab inserted in your caboose, rooted around, pulled out, tested, and then if you pass, you can come in. If it doesn't, you go home. That is what China is demanding of anyone wanting to come to their country. And in here, it's just come as you are. It doesn't even matter. Is there not a balance? Can we not find a way in the middle there? We can keep something out of my butt, but we can keep the flow down so we can control this? I know we can, but this is what we got. These are the governments running our world. This is what we got. So that's it, guys. I really appreciate your time this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. We are going to have a special release episode later this week. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing the miniseries produced by HBO called The Pacific. Yes, it was from 10 years ago, but I got a chance to rewatch it and I had a completely different perspective on it the second time. So please look for that later this week. God bless you all. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Be the peace. Don't let emotion get the best of you. Remember, you are the resistance. God bless you, your family, and America.